Welcome back to another episode of the Anime Show with Joey and Aki. I'm your host, Joey. And I'm your co-host, Aki. And in this episode, guess what, guys? I'm in Australia. So uh, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to talk about some manga and anime creators who unfortunately passed away with incomplete works. And go a little bit into our thoughts to Satoshi Kon, the dreaming machine. Get the podcast now on Wooshka SoundCloud or by downloading the free SBS Pop Asia app. Under pressure. <laughs> Push it down. Uh, uh. Is this how we're starting it? Oh, did it start? Oh, yeah, we were started. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Welcome back to this show. Hello. Hey, we're actually in a studio this time. Can you notice how much better our audio quality is right now? This feels so right. It, this it does. feels so good. We need a, when we actually, oh, by the way, we're in the SBS Pop Asia studio today, actually. Thank you guys for letting us borrow yeah, it. So that's why we actually sound like absolutely professional. I'm like sitting behind the desk right now. I feel oh, like Oh, you a look rate, pretty good. I actually, feel, I want to take a picture of that. I feel like a DJ right now. Yeah. <laughs> are you going to break down some beats? Oh yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be like one of those like, um, old school DJs where, you know, the ones who are kind of just like, uh, you know, just being like, all right, welcome back to another show. We Up next, we got a funky tune for you right now, riding down the intersection in the New York, uh, you know, just stuff like that. And then anyway. you just blow out everyone's ears with the one punch man opening. <laughs> it just stopped like, what Yeah, I love it. Love it. <laughs> no, dude, like we actually need to like, I really want to like actually build like a studio like this. Like, not just for... If you did, you'd never come up. <laughs> if, you, if you're like my man cave, I'd just be like, this is my recording session. And it doesn't even go anywhere. It's just for you to just have the environment. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, um, yeah, so as we said, uh, we're recording at the SBS Pop Asia studio right now. And we're pro- behind professional microphones and setups and everything. And it's Aki's first time in Australia. Yay! Yeah. Well, I mean, we recorded uh, last week's episode, like, actually in Australia as well. Mm. But, like, I don't but think... But in it, your room. It, but, yeah, but in my room. So, very... Very, very professional for that. Um, but uh, did we really like ever talk about like you know your what you've seen so far in Australia? Because it's been what five days since you've come here. Yeah, we. I mean, I don't think I really went too much in depth with it, but mm. I mean, from what I've gotten, uh, I have. I've had a really good experience here in Australia. I would definitely come back. I've been very, very welcomed and. Well, welcomed in the sense of just not by people. But, yeah, I came <laughs> here and everyone was like, welcome. like oh, welcome to Australia or Australia. Strain. In, uh, it's been more so like a lot. I mean, your family's just been absolutely wonderful. I'm staying with his parents and his sister right now. And also just the environment. It's the vibe of the environment. <laughs> it's the vibe. It's the vibe. That's a castle reference. Uh, the first animal I saw here in Australia. Do you was- remember the name of it? Yes, it's the Echidna. I hey. kept I kept saying that it sounds like the Achilles. The Achilles. Yeah, but the first uh Is that one of them Australian Achilles? <laughs> the first uh animal I saw was that, but before I knew what it was, I was just like, "Oh, look at it. It's so cute." And your dad was all like, "Yeah, don't touch it. It's poisonous." <laughs> I'm like, "Yep, that's Australia for you." Yep. That's the first animal I see too is an Echidna, which is apparently kind of rare to see in the wild. It is, I think. I mean, not so much around where we live. Like, it's not, it's not ultra rare, but it's not common. Like, 
you, you'd still be lucky to see it. Like, you know, when we rolled up uh, to where that echidna was just, you know, walking along the side of the road, like, we, <laughs> there were a few other people who, like, stopped to, like, look at it. It was waddling. It was so cute. Yeah, yeah. It's so, like, like the fact that, like, people were around it just being like, oh, that's an echidna, like, suggests, like, it's not ultra rare. Like, people weren't taking photos of it, but they were like, oh, look at that. I mean, it looks pretty, like, out of place that you can't just ignore it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I it, mean, it was a pretty big one, too. It was like... It was, it was a size hefty... Size of a football? Sa- yeah, I'd say... Yeah, about the size of a football, I'd yeah, say. So a football cute. as in, like, a rugby ball, not a soccer ball. No, I meant a football as in, like, American football. Oh, American... Oh, like an NFL ball. Yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a yeah, football. Yeah, yeah, like a rugby ball. It was yeah. about It was about that size. Yeah. yeah. But um, what, what else have you experienced so far? Meat pies. Meat, no, no, you haven't experienced the meat pie. <laughs> but you've I've seen the, them. You've experienced the word meat okay, pie. Okay, here, let me... Let me <laughs> List a bunch of things that I've experienced in the great country of Australia. Go on. Um, the bus. That, that is not great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be very clear. Woolworths. Woolworths, okay. Um, the echidna. Okay, we've already, we did a whole segment on that. Magpies. Okay. Um, bush rats. Did you see? Oh, yeah, we did see a bush rat, didn't we? Yeah. Hmm. Bush turkeys. Yeah, we saw a bush turkey. Cockatoos. Yeah. Um, Woolworths. (laughs) (laughs) You went into the, uh, you went into that cheese room that they have, Uh, which was a new one. The cheese room, the wonderful cheese room. Uh, Twisties. Yeah, you really like those twisties because you brought, like, from America, Aki bought, like, 10 packets of Cheetos. Do you like them? Yeah, they're really good. Except they just get, they're like really, they're the flaming hot Cheetos, so they're like the super red ones. So they get, like, I don't know what it is, but like, obviously it's like the unnatural, like, colors and flavoring, but like, it gets so stuck on your fingers and on your teeth. Mm. And like, when I have like a, like a good amount of Cheetos, like, I'm like in the bathroom just scrubbing my teeth for like 10 minutes just to get all that stuff off of me before I go to bed. So that's kind of annoying, but it tastes good, at least. Yeah, and che- but Cheetos. You found the uh, the blue Cheetos, didn't you? Not the blue Cheetos. Not the, tw- not the blue Cheetos. The blue Twisties. I'm sorry. And they're not actually blue. They just turn your tongue blue. Apparently, it's a limited thing. But uh, striving away from like Cheetos and Twisties <laughs> for a little bit. Uh, other than that, I know you want to take me to Taranga Zoo because I have yet to see a kangaroo or a koala, which is like the which, things w- which you thought you could just like see anywhere. I I honestly thought I. I could just see them. And I I mean, I at least want to, like, eat a kangaroo, too. Yeah. Not live, but I mean... <laughs> While it's alive. Yeah, the, and here's how we're going to hunt it down, all right? We, we have to punch it, just like the guy in the one viral YouTube video did. Uh, that's the, how you hunt for your kangaroo. The one that was saving his dog? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, That's how you have to hunt for them. <laughs> Is that, that's how you hunt them. Sock okay. them in the nose. That's, yeah, that's how we all hunt kangaroos here. Yeah. No, kangaroos are really good. Um, There's, like, kangaroo sausages, there's kangaroo steaks... They were all really, really good. That's what's in the meat pies. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wonder if there is kangaroo. There, I'm sure there are kangaroo pies as well. Kangaroo there has pies. to be. I mean, if you if you you know going to go to the trouble of like turning it into a sausage, then what's not stopping it from you know just chopping it up and putting it into a meat pie? I guess so. I'm sure it tastes. I'm sure it tastes exactly the same as a beef pie though. Mm, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. So what else? Like. Okay, so here's the thing about, like, the kangaroos and koalas thing, right? You can see kangaroos and koalas in the wild, but the thing is, we're in suburban Sydney. Yeah. So that's why you don't see them. Like, we have, like, rock wallabies around our place, which are, like, if you don't know what a rock wallaby is, it's like a smaller kangaroo. 
Um, oh, I want to see those. That climb on the rocks. Yeah, like, they're a little bit more rare, though. I've only seen, like, a few of them, like, around our house. Uh-huh. But you don't see, like, full, like, r- like massive red kangaroos. Like, you-, you need to go, like, way inland to see those. And even with koalas, like, I've been camping a few times, like, with my family, because we used to like camping all the time. And we drive, like, upwards of, you know, an hour away from Sydney up to, like, Four hours away from Sydney, right? Okay. So, like, it would greatly differ, but we'd be out in the bush. Um, and you'd see kangaroos out there in the wild all the time. And you would see koalas out there too, but the thing is, koalas are so difficult to spot in the wild. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you hear them, because you can sometimes hear them in the middle of the night, like, making, like, a chirping sound. But you look up into the trees at night and you'd be like, where the heck are they? Yeah. Like, you can shine a, a spotlight on it, and you just... you They blend in so well with the trees that you wouldn't be able to see them at all. I saw this viral video of, like, the koala... One koala was trying to take the territory of another koala in a tree, mm. and then they got into this big fight, and at first it was, like, a really high-pitched sound, and then it just went straight deep into Metalocalypse. <laughs> like, it was like, ooh! <laughs> I was like, wow. Yeah, that's that- the welcoming anthem of australia i mean screaming koala. I, I mean they are bears technically yeah yeah koala bears anyway so this is the anime show after all let's actually talk about anime so yeah, yeah, yeah. there are a few pieces of news i think like we'd like to cover today um you know some varying in severity one uh topic i wanted to talk about was i actually recently saw it on i think anime news network that uh, the manga artist for Wolf, Wolf Children. Children has passed away, unfortunately. Mm. I think her name was... She was she was working under a pen name. I think it was Yu. I think she was just called Yu. Um, and she did the artwork for the Wolf Children uh, manga series, which I think was adapted from the movie. Because I'm pretty sure... Because Hosoda Mamoru, who is the director of the movie, which most people know it as... Um, he also wrote the novel that was, I'm pretty sure the novel came before the movie. Uh-huh. Um, so he wrote the novel. So when they turned it into a manga adaptation, as per usual for any kind of anime, novel, uh, manga adaptation kind of thing, cause that usually just comes all together in a package if it does well, like commercially. Um, you know, obviously Hosoda Momoru can write, but he can't draw. And, you know, a lot of manga adaptations tend to do that. And the one for Wolf Children just happened to just unfortunately pass away, which is really sad. But it's like, it's weird because I, I think I was saying to Aki before, I didn't even know Wolf Children had a manga. Yeah, same. Like most people know I it. I saw the novel. Yeah. Like, yeah, on I, the show. I, I actually read the novel, um, after the movie came out because, you know, most people know it from the movie. So, it makes sense to know that, like, okay, yeah, of course it had an anime adaptation. Like, the the anime movie did so well. Mm. But then, to be like, oh, they had a manga as well. Because, like, I don't know anyone who's read the manga for it. You know, most people just read the the movie, watch the movie for it. They read the movie. I mean, technically, I mean, if you're reading subtitles, yes, they're reading the movie. Or, if you're me, and you don't have to read subtitles, and you're just like... (laughs) Ha ha, hacks. Hacks. It's hacks. I just hacked you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of unfortunate that that happened. Um, Yeah. Pretty sad. I'm actually... I'm looking at, like, this uh, list mm. where it was, like, just talking about, um, what is it, like, some creators that died before even finishing their work. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the Wolf Children one actually made it on here. Um, oh, so the manga wasn't finished? I don't believe so, but I'm... 
Because I remember the because I remember the Hosoda Mamoru novel, the original novel, isn't that long. Yeah, it's like only like a couple hundred pages. Well, here's some like creators uh, you might know them mm-hmm. uh, that died before the work was even finished. So I'm guessing. Well, I mean, like, one of them is uh, Kon Satoshi. Yeah, Satoshi with Kon- with Opus. A uh, dr- dreaming machine. Dreaming machine. Yeah. Apparently that was another one. It says like Cohn was diagnosed with terminal cancer and withdrew from the public. And then his death wasn't known until his family shared a message that he wrote explaining the situation. So Madhouse has tried to continue his work by producing Dreaming Machine, which is based on his notes, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So if you watch Dreaming Machine, just know that that was all done by Madhouse with the only credit that they – or the only source of – um, that they could for the story was just some quick notes by Satoshi Kon. I need to watch that now. Yeah, same. I actually. What's it called? Dreaming Machine. Dreaming Machine. That yeah, sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. I never knew. I I thought for sure, like, because I know the whole thing with Opus, how he ended, or he, how the manga gets cut off at the end. Did you read it? Yeah, I did read it. Okay, yeah, you showed it to me, and yep. then I read it, and like that ending is just like whoa. Yeah, it's actually like when you think about it, it's and pretty the fact scary. that he did die and mm. the way that all of this tied in it's like wow that guy was like his work it, that that is a genius work like yeah. it's almost as if like the whole thing like from the beginning ties so well to the way that it ends that it's almost like it was Con- planned. yeah it's almost like con you even before he started this manga that he was going to die before it ended mm. maybe he purposely dragged it out yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll never know. That or maybe he like left it at where it was and then, yeah, yeah. Just, and then just kind of like sat, sat back <laughs> and was just like, okay. And he's like, come on, death. <laughs> come on. This will make it great. You're late. Um, nah. But like no disrespect to the to the man no, on the no, legend. No. Um, Kon Satoshi was an amazing creator mm. who will unfortunately be sorry, sorrily missed. I remember uh, this one isn't a creator, but definitely uh, someone that whose voice still resides in my head remember the singer that did for kiz naiver oh yeah, um, the open, uh, uh boom boom satellites yeah their lead singer the lead singer of the boom boom satellites yeah, yeah i believe that he had some kind of disease either in his heart or in his brain mm-hmm. but he had been fighting it for a while and unfortunately took over and I was pretty I was pretty freaking shocked about that because I was just listening to that before. And that I opening that. is absolutely incredible. That like that uh, is opening of the year for me, like 2016. I do have to say, to the anime awards, I'm still salty that that never made it in. <laughs> that that was not nominated at all. Even though they put Kiznaiva in a bunch of other nominations, they yeah, didn't yeah, put it for think, best opening. Yeah, no, because it's, it's, uh, no, it's Yuri on Ice, dude. Oh, uh, it's every please. day, bro. Let's, let's not start with that. Yeah, let's not start. I could, I could do like five episodes just going nuts on the Crunchyroll anime awards. I think they've learned their lesson. Let, let, let me we'll look let at alone. let me look at this uh, list right here of creators that have died before finishing it. One was uh. Osamu uh, Tezuka. Tezuka Osamu? Yeah. He's the godfather of manga, dude. Yeah. He's the creator of Astro Boy, uh, Kimba the White Lion, mm. geez, uh, uh, Phoenix, 
Which, Fe- that's the one. Phoenix, yeah. That was the one that he couldn't finish. Yeah, Phoenix is an amazing manga series. Yeah. I, actually, I actually found out Phoenix from my mom, actually. Mm. Um, well, it looks like this thing went on for a really long time. and Oh, yeah, Phoenix is very long. Yeah. Very, very long. From 56 to 89. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, Phoenix is very long. I didn't know Phoenix went on for that long, actually. I didn't know that was... He, he left that unfinished. Because mm. I read the original, like, fi- like the first... The very first couple of volumes of Phoenix. Yeah. Um, like, you wouldn't expect such a dark and twisted manga from someone who made Astro Boy. Yeah. You know? Like, Astro Boy and, like, Kimba the White Lion are kind of moderately team series. Mm. But if you ever have have a chance to read Phoenix, which you should, because it's an incredible piece of manga history. It does look really good. It's very, very good. It's an incredible piece of manga history. Um, it's very dark. Um, it's surprisingly very dark, but also very uplifting because it's all about this phoenix. Um, in Japanese, it's called Hinotori, which means the bird of fire. Okay. Um, and it's about this civilization just f- discovering this phoenix that is, that can, you know, like, just like a normal phoenix, you know, like, if you know the legend of the phoenix, it's the bird that, you know, falls into the flames when it dies and then from the flames a new uh-huh. bird is reborn. Yeah. So it's a bird that never dies. But yeah, basically, like you know, just just read Phoenix if you can. Yeah, um, it's I re- will. Yeah, it's really cool. It's mm-hmm. really really cool. Like, don't let the don't let the age fool you. Just because you know you hear like, oh, a manga from the fifties, it's probably gonna suck and be totally you know out of context. What sixty years, almost seventy years later. But it's honestly really, really good. I'm not really turned off by old anime as much as I am turned off like sometimes by old movies, um, which is weird. Yeah, oh, uh, I can watch some old movies. I guess, but so. I don't know. What's like the oldest manga you've ever read, though? In current days, yeah. Uh, so, like for me, the oldest manga I've ever read is Phoenix because it's from the fifties. The oldest or manga anything I, by Tezuka Osama, really. The oldest manga I ever read, I don't know, dude. Like, like, like off the top of your head, you don't have to be like specific. I legit don't know really? what the oldest one I've uh, uh, read was, but I did uh, used to be subscribed to Shonen Jump. And mm. I would read the little comic strips in there. Mm-hmm. So, but as far as anything before that, I I, I don't know really. Hmm. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, another one that I'm seeing on this list is uh, Yamaguchi Noboru, who is the author of uh, Familiar of Zero, mm. which I actually did not know that he died. That he died. Yeah. Apparently, uh, we look. By the way, we we're looking at this uh, Go Boyano article. Uh, shout out to the folks over at Go Boyano. You the fam. Uh, saying, when Yamaguchi was diagnosed with advanced stage cancer in 2011, he spent what little time he had on finishing The Familiar of Zero before passing away. Unfortunately, the series of surgeries he underwent didn't allow him to work at the pace necessary, and he died in 2013. Hmm. Which is weird. Have you seen or read Familiar of Zero? Familiar Zero? No, I... Yeah, no, I have not. I haven't either. Hmm. It's so strange, because, like, I feel like light novel series or adaptations of light novel series from around that like golden era which is like you know the mid 2000s mm. you know including familiar of zero i feel like i missed out on a lot of them mm. which is weird because that was around the time when i first got introduced to light novels like the first like light novel i properly ever read was the melancholia sismi haruhi which was like you know kind of started the whole light novel trend um, and which later went on to, like, the light novels that were becoming an anime. Like, obviously, there was, you know, a bunch of light novel series before Haruhi, before, you know, like, 
that were a light novel series that became an anime, but they weren't as well known or as much of a cultural phenomenon as Suzumiya Haruhi. Mm. And like, Zero no Tsukaima was one of them, the, uh, the Tawaru series, Tawaru okay. Majin's in the Index and Tawaru Kagaku no Railgun, yeah. mm. or like Shakugan no Shana and like all of those series, yeah. like, I, I, I mean, I've seen Toaru because I like Railgun. I thought that was a really good series. But I never watched Shakugan no Shana, even though there was like, what, four seasons of it or something like that? And I think the light novel series is still going to this day. It's like 30 volumes deep or something, hmm. which is intense. Um, and Xenolith's Game was one of them. I didn't, I, I watched the first couple of episodes of the anime, but I genuinely didn't really like it. But I feel it's because I was already at like a certain age or like certain time where like, I was already, I'd already kind of moved on from stuff like that, mm. you know? Um, what about you? Uh, what, as far as light novels? As far as like, yeah, like light novels, like, you know, like the the first like kind of surge of light novels in like the mid 2000s with like Haruhi, Skyma, Tawaru, like all of those series. Well, to be honest, I never really got into light novels in the West. Mm. They're not really a big, big thing there. No, they're very, very niche, definitely. Yeah. I mean, just of recent days, honestly, it's just, I mean, I got, you got me into Cycle Man. Yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, and I've read the No Game, No Light novels, and those are really great. I honestly. <laughs> no Game, No Light novels? <laughs> That's what you said. You didn't say No Game, No Life. You said No Game, No Light novels. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> no Game, No Light novels. Coming to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I've seen, that's great. Yeah, no, light novels aren't really pushed too much, um, mm. but it's definitely something that I've been meaning to dwell in. I think, to be honest, I am in that group where it is it, it is a little bit hard to kind of break away like from the manga and then just go straight into. I, th- I think back so. Into I think I think in, I think definitely over in the West, like outside of Japan at least, because um, I hate calling it the West because it's not only the West. Yeah. But like outside of Japan, I feel light novels are now just starting to become more of a mainstream thing. Kinda, they're still kind of niche. Oh, they're they're still definitely very niche, but like there has definitely been like um, a lot of companies who are really trying to push light novels a lot more now mm, because. Yeah. You know, because we are seeing, especially recently, like, so many more adaptations of light novels. Yeah, like ReZero. Like ReZero. Like, ReZero was, like, one of those series where it's just like, whoa, like, this is an amazing anime series. And then most people from the West are like, oh, I want to read the original manga. But then they obviously don't find the original manga. The original is a light novel, and they're just like, I don't want to read. And I think SAO was kind of like that, too. Yeah. When SAO came out, people were like, oh, I want to read the manga. And then I'd tell people, like, you know, SAO was originally a light novel, right? And most people would be like, what's a light novel? Mm. So, like, I've I've had that in the past where, like, I've made videos on light novels. Or, like, you know, I would do creator interviews of light novel authors. And they don't do as well. You know what I mean? Because, mm. like, people are like, I don't know what a light novel is yeah. at all like is that kind of like a manga so i i definitely like to see more i mean i can definitely see now that like light novels are being pushed more but i think it's still just a matter of time before it gets really like i guess mainstream mm. more over in the west because mm. it's already a viable thing in japan like it's obviously not as popular as manga mm. but it's still very much more of a well-known thing. I think light novels might just be... If anything, it'll just be spread out within the, like, anime community Mm. more. It's really hard to say, because right now it is so incredibly niche at the moment, and anime and manga is still 
not that big. Right. Like it's right now, I would say it's this thing that everyone knows. And yes, I have seen DBZ. (laughs) But as far as like light novels, um, I I don't know. It'll, it'll take a while, but I mean, I'm trying to get into them more. But yeah. Well, actually, one, uh, another one that I'm seeing on this list right now, which actually is a very, very famous case in Japan. Do you know a person called Usui Yoshito? No, I do not. Okay. Do you know a very, very popular anime series called Crayon Shinchan? Yeah. Okay. He died. Yeah, Crown Shinchan. Uh, actually, this was very big news when uh, we found out about this in Japan mm. because Crown Shinchan is just a such a beloved series in mm. Japan. Um, but yeah, the original author of uh, the Crown Shinchan manga uh, died actually because uh, they uh, well, she was hiking and then she fell off a cliff. That is pretty brutal, dude. Yeah. So I'm I'm reading it here. Uh, the anime is largely uh, original material, but it went on hiatus following news of Usui's death in a hiking accident. While taking a picture on top of Mount Arafune, Usui slipped and fell to his death. Mm. Um, and that was like sh- shocking news in Japan because, yeah. like, much like Doraemon, like Crown Shinchan is one of those shows where like kids and adults love it. Mm. You know, it's like The Simpsons. It's like if it's like if in America. Uh, and God forbid this ever happens, but like, you know, it's the equivalent of like, you know, um, uh, Matt Groening going on a hike mm. and slipping and falling to his death. And I'm, you know, and I don't want that from anybody, you know, but like, that's the equivalent in Japan when Usa Yoshito died. Um, which is so weird because have you ever, have you ever seen the anime for Crown Shinchan? To be honest, I couldn't really get into it when I was, well, cause it came out when I was younger mm. and I'll be honest. The one thing that got me, well, it seemed really explicit in my eyes. Right. Um, was just Crown Shinjun naked. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what else was it? It was the artwork I didn't like. Mm. And from what it's the- Eng- very stylized. Yeah. And what, from what the, uh, from the English version that was displayed on television, uh, it just seemed like an explicit show. And at the time I didn't like explicit shows. Oh wait, was it dubbed? Yeah. Oh god. And the way it was done was like, I, I guess the guy like shakes his butt a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, it's a five-year-old kid. Yeah. Yeah. But see, like, I didn't take the time to do that because I didn't like the style or mm. the or anything about it. But a lot of my friends like just absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm pro- I probably upset a lot of people. I, I'm just speaking from like when I was a kid. I was yeah. just like, oh, this this seems kind of gross to mm. look at. I mean, like, because even during that time, I mean, I didn't even like Family Guy. I don't. I I still don't like South Park. Mm. Um, I don't know. It, it's just it hasn't really been in that realm. But is, is Shinchan an explicit show? Because it was on Adult Swim. It's uh okay. So Crown Shinchan was a really interesting show, and and I feel like I could even do like a whole video like explaining this, but like. The original Usui Yoshito manga is actually an adult manga. Okay. And by adult manga, I don't mean like a, like a sexualized adult manga. I mean like a manga that is suited for an adult demographic yeah. because of the contents of its black comedy and like kind yeah. of uh, dark humor that it has. Yeah. And almost like the adult humor because the original Crown Shinchan manga is told from the perspective of the mother. Yeah. So it's all about this show of this mother who, uh, I believe her name is Misae. Mm. So it's told from the perspective of Misae's daily life of taking care of Shinchan, who is her five-year-old son, and the mishaps and, like, the, the crazy and wacky things that he says as a five-year-old kid. 
Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of a, a dark comedy show which follows that kind of story. Whereas when it got adapted into an anime, they saw the appeal of Shinchan's character, but thought that if they told it from the perspective of the mother, it wouldn't really draw attention. And especially because U- Usui Yoshito's art is very childlike and is very mm-hmm. stylized to be almost like a child show. So when they turn it into an anime, they were like, let's just make it so that Shinchan is this main character. Because mm-hmm. technically speaking in the manga as well, like Shinchan is the main character. He, that's, you know, he's the, the character where all the spotlight goes to mm-hmm. because it's all about the crazy shenanigans that he does and the stupid stuff that he says, right? But they definitely tamed it down when it came to the anime series, but they still kept parts of, you know, the kind of black comedy and, like, dark humor. So, like, you know, the whole stuff of Shinchan wiggling his butt or, you know, because he's a five-year-old kid, you know, like, you have no indecency when you're a five-year-old kid, right? Mm. So, it's like, you know, just, like, showing your private parts on television. But because it's so stylized and so comicalized, that that it became okay to show that on TV because it was just kind of, like, funny. It's like like if you're just walking down the street and, you know, your five-year-old cousin just, you know, dacked his pants down. Yeah. And was just like, hey, look, see my butt. Mm. Like, people would just be like, oh, come on, man. See, like, as a little kid, I was never into that stuff. Yeah. And, I, was- feel, and I feel if you weren't, then you probably weren't into Korean Shinchan. Yeah, because, like... Uh, I remember you told me, like, the concept of, like, kids brown-eyeing in Australia. <laughs> if I were a little kid, I honestly would have been so against that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know, I couldn't get in, into any of that. And I think that's why I just, I refused to grow up with South Park. Mm-hmm. Just because of, like, how loud and explicit and everything was. Um, yeah, I grew up with pretty, uh, with pretty innocent shows, uh, sometimes, which is kind of weird given the, uh, the content that I talk about now. Mm. But, um, as far as Shinchan goes, like, yeah, I know my best friend and a lot of my friends are super into it, but. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely an interesting show. Um, I don't know if I would enjoy it as much if I watched it now. Mm. Cause, God. I think the last thing I ever consumed with the Crown Shinchan franchise was, I think it was one of the movies that they had because it was such a, you know, they had like, God, I don't even know how many Crown Shinchan movies there are. There's probably like over 10 Crown Shinchan movies. Um, because, you know, obviously it's, it's appealing to the kids. Um, I think the last Crown Shinchan movie I saw was I watched it with my sister in Japan and that was like, I want to say like 10 years ago. Since then, I haven't touched anything with Crown Shinchan. Mm. And I think it's because it's gone to the point now where because the anime is a lot more focused on a child's demographic and it's more of a kid's show now that, like, you know, now that I've grown... Now that I'm at the bold age of 23 in a few days' time, um, or I guess I'm 23 by the time you're listening to this... Happy birthday, But, you know, as a 23-year-old man, it's a little bit past my range at this point. You know, so, I mean, I'd still, honestly, if I picked up the manga now, I'd probably still enjoy it because, again, it's more suited towards people my age. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what happens. Um, I'm looking at a few ones on this list right now and a lot of them I don't actually know of, but a lot of them sound really interesting. Do you know a anime series called MM? No, I looked through that whole list, and honestly, I know very little. Okay, the only other one I know on this list is M.M., uh, Matsuno Akinari, who's the author of that. The only one I knew was Satoshi Kon, that's it. Oh, yeah, I saw that, Satoshi Kon's uh, Dream Machine. I need to check out Dream Machine, dude. That looks so cool. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I wonder if, like, his death plays a part in that movie, too. 
Well, I mean, it does. I mean, the concept of why it's made, it's kind of like the new Jabba's album. Mm. Like, they completed it after, like, seeing just some of the lyrics in his pocket. A lot of artists have done that, actually, I found. Mm. Like, a lot of hip-hop artists, I, fi- I, te- I find, tend to do that. Like, A Tribe Called Quest did that with uh, after the passing of um, Five Dog. Mm. Like, they were just like, oh, let's just grab, like, a bunch of recordings from him and just release it under a posthumous album. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, Michael Jackson did that as well mm. after he died. Mm. So, I feel it's like, you know, just very creative people tend to kind of like they kind of like create this bank of creative ideas yeah you know like scattered all around and you know they obviously you know stick to like one thing where like you know they're like this is the main project that i want to work on in in case with Sato, like satoshi khan like you know he made um tokyo godfathers and paprika and perfect blue and uh just trying to think what are the other f- he only did like four movies right yeah what was it Tokyo Godfathers uh Paprika Perfect Blue um I mean Paranoia Agent uh, Paranoia Agent even though it's a TV series yeah what's the other movie he did I'm missing one more uh, what's your favorite Satoshi Kon movie my favorite Satoshi Kon f- film <sighs> I mean yeah Paprika was good but it didn't uh I don't know. Millennium Actress. Millennium Actress, there you go. Yeah, that one was really good. Millennium Actress is really good, too. I'd say Paprika probably had my favorite soundtrack out of everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot the singer's name, but I remember I was, like, super obsessed with him after that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Millennium Actress, like, was super trippy as well. I really liked that. Oh, okay. So, apparently, uh, Dreaming Machine isn't actually finished yet. That's even trippier. It's still in the work. So I'm actually. What do you mean the- it's still in the works? I, I, I'm actually. Like they're making it now? Yeah, so it says here, I'm on the Wikipedia page. It says, after Khan's death on August 24th, 2010, production continued at Madhouse where the team used Satoshi Khan's directorial tapes and notes to guide them to complete the film, though the main work, such as storyboards and scripts, was already complete. In August 2011, Madhouse founder Masao Mariyama revealed that production of the film had been halted due to lack of finances. Only 600 of 1,500 shots have been animated. However, Mariyama still intends to finish the film, however long it takes. It has been like seven years. Bruh. It's been seven years since Satoshi Kon's death, but so... they Madhouse is like we're gonna do this only because Satoshi Kon was just the genius mm. director. Like there is no other director quite like Satoshi Kon. That moment, like a whole team is taking at least seven years to even comprehend how to make his story alive the way he wants it. Yeah, and even then, when it comes out. If they do superb at it, to think that that might not even be like, well, that that's not from Satoshi Ko's mind completely. Yeah, kind of puts in perspective of maybe what it could have. Well, been. that's it's going to be one of those movies where it's like you know it's Satoshi Ko's work, but you, it, it, I think no matter how amazing of a film it is, there's also going to be that like mind blow moment of like the realization of like if Satoshi Ko was actually directing this and actually wrote this to, like, full completion, this movie probably would have been, like, twice as good. Mm. No matter how amazing it is. Like, this... I don't know. Dreaming Machine could, like, win a a, a goddamn, you know, Grammy. Mm. Right? What, what's the update on Dream Machine right now? Uh, I'm not too sure. Let me check it out. Is Grammy the right award? Am I getting that wrong? That's, an, that's music, isn't it? Oscar. 
Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Um. Let's 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 read up. Uh. What the. Okay, here we go. In August of 2016, MAPPA producer Masao Mariyama said in an interview, for four to five years, I kept searching for a suitable director to complete Khan's work, which is, geez, like a, a, a big upbringing to try and direct anything by Satoshi Khan. Before his death, the storyboard and script, even part of the keyframe film, was already completed. Then I thought, if some, even if someone can mimic Khan's work, it would still be clear that it's only an imitation. For example... If Mamoru Hosoda took the director's position, the completed dreaming machine would still be a good piece of work. However, it's Hosoda's film, not Khan's. Dreaming machine should be Khan's movie, him and only him, not someone else's. That means we cannot and should not compromise only to finish it. I spent years, finally reached this hard conclusion. Instead, we should take only Khan's original concept and let somebody turn it into a feature film. By doing so, the completed piece could 100% be that person's work, and I'm okay with that. I also considered about doing a documentary of Con. Hmm. So that's the update. That was 26, August of 2016. So that was a, a, a roughly a little bit over a year ago. So the hard conclusion is that they need to find... I mean, they need, they need to find a director that can mimic it, but he just doesn't really feel... I mean, he said he's okay with it, but I still feel like he doesn't feel to a hundred percent that it's gonna be that person's film, right? And if there's just oh, somehow or some way to say this is just Satoshi Kon's work, that's probably like the purest we can make it. Like the, he's he's provided everything we need. Yeah, somebody just needs to take that, turn it into a film, and. If there's a way, let's just say it. This is Satoshi Kon's story, but the film is being done by whoever. Right, right. It's it's that dilemma of like, do we leave it? Do we just go bare bones with it, as so to keep one hundred percent the legacy and creative freedom of Kon, or do we finish it for the sake of finishing it, but it be not a Satoshi Kon film? Yeah. But even just even the fact that you know they're you know, really arguing over this just goes to show that, like, this is, like, obviously the the people who are involved in this are very, very passionate of Korn's legacy. Mm. You know, so, like, they're not just, you know, just going to be like, we're going to make this movie because it's a cash grab. You know, if we just put Satoshi Kon's name on it and everybody knows how genius Satoshi Kon is, then people come and watch the movie and we'll, we'll be raining down in cash. Whereas with this, it's more like, with this, it's more like, you know, like we want to we want to finish off what Khan wanted to do mm. like this we with this film we want to give Satoshi Khan like the proper send off he so deserves mm. um so they're really like being very very careful with who they want to maybe in the beginning they y- can put like text and at the end being like uh, the following is for, um like the best i guess adaptation or project that we could have done based off of the notes of Satoshi Kon before his death. Mm. So, I mean, really, like, kind of highlight, like, this was his. We're just kind of the people that put the tools in it. All right. But we we don't want the credit for this. Mm. Like, please, like, we have tried so hard to just have this as Satoshi's thing. Like, if there's a way that, like, you know, the way they did New Java's uh, song, mm. like, if they can just... Do that and may do the same like thing as a film. That'd be great. It's just kind of like I hope that the person who they do pick, who's up for this, 
will respect that mm. and if anything maybe even just minimalize like the marketing of their name being on this project being like yeah i mean yeah i directed this but please don't do not credit me for this because this is satoshi's thing yeah 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 i just you know they needed a lead and i did it but if anything the one that's really driving this is satoshi yeah yeah absolutely yeah, so yeah. Like, what do you think they should do? Do you think they should make a documentary or do you think they should adapt it? I feel like the fact that they were even this passionate to keep it as pure, go for it. Mm. I, I say, like, why not? Yeah. Like, you've obviously understood how important this is and you're trying to do this in a way where it will just be him. There, there's a very, like, if they came out with a Satoshi Kon documentary called Dreaming Machine. That would be great. I would watch the hell out so of that. So it would be Satoshi Kon colon Dreaming Machine. Yeah, Satoshi Kon. Yeah, Satoshi Kon colon The Dreaming Machine. Because mm-hmm. he was. He was The Dreaming Machine. Like, I'm sure... Uh, I, we don't That'd exactly know, like, what the meaning of Dreaming Machine is. But if I were to give Satoshi Kon, uh, as a director, as a creator, a nickname, he would be The Dreaming Machine. That would be really great if, like, it was called Satoshi Kon, The Dreaming Machine, because then, like, then they could use that project as, like, a symbolism while talking about Satoshi. Yeah, like, while really fully fleshing out the legacy and the creative genius that was Satoshi Kon. Maybe at the end they can make, like, just a conceptual sort of film of Dreaming Machine. I think so. Like, that way, everything beforehand was to build up for this moment that everyone now can fully understand this is Satoshi Kon's now that we've uh, adapted to yeah, it. Yeah. Rather than just bringing out this film and then all the credit goes to some other guy that probably doesn't want that credit for mm. himself. He like, cause it's, it's going to be very hard if they do make this into a film. Right. And knowing that it's technically not Satoshi Kon directing it. Yeah. It's, it's just, I, I feel like if the creator has as much dignity as like, I feel like they would have, mm-hmm. I feel like that that is some credit that they would not feel themselves worthy of having they would almost be ashamed to have it i think so Mm. i i certainly like if i was put to the task of directing a satoshi Kon movie i would absolutely just like put myself under like a fake name or like not even put my name on it Mm. i just say this was directed by satoshi Kon. i'd even just say like you know what even though i technically directed it i'll just put me as the producer i don't care yeah just put me as i don't know like i i did like some in between work is there such thing as conceptual director conceptual director yeah conceptual director (laughs) i conceptually directed this yeah Yeah. it's just a concept that might be good but i like yeah so i i I like the I, i like the thought of having a documentary and really calling it satoshi Kon. The Dreaming Machine. Satoshi Kon, The Dreaming Machine. Yeah, and then that project will be, like, a symbolic thing that mm. happens over time. You know what would be cool, too, is it's like, they they share parts of the story along the way, mm. like, but in between, you and really... And, like, maybe, like, show, like, some, like, maybe, like, animatics or, like, animation, like, just yeah. short, like, 30 seconds to one minute animations just to show, like, at least as a concept, like, what he was going after uh anybody out there that has connections to any of this uh just yeah, know uh, that anybody uh, have some, we uh, are totally behind yeah that. anybody have some funds because i would totally direct a satoshi Kon documentary no i wouldn't even do that really because i feel like i don't understand satoshi enough to really convey that i feel like you need the people that knew him like uh, that really really knew him <laughs> is there anyone listening to this podcast who knew satoshi Kon? Uh, and are hit you? me up because i would love to talk to you <laughs> yeah i mean 
Like, I don't know. If somebody came up to me and was just like, hey, you want to be part of this documentary? I don't know if I could do it, honestly. I would probably just share my opinions of it. But I, I would, even though I, I, would, I would be one of those people, like, you know how you, if you ever see, like, a documentary on, uh, like, a famous musician who passed away or, like, a famous artist who passed away, you know how there's always that, like, guy or girl who's there as, like, the expert on, like, his, like his or her conceptual art? Mm. Like, if you ever, like, listening to, like, a music, uh, or, like, like a rockumentary, as they call it, on, like, a music artist who passed away, like, say, for example, like, the Michael Jackson documentary, for example, mm. right after he died, like, there's always that, like, you know, one, like, Michael Jackson expert or, like, a a, a rock music uh, a journalist who was yeah. very fond of Michael Jackson's work. Mm-hmm. I would be one of those people who just, like, talk about Satoshi Kon not as the person who knew him personally as a person right but i would be like talking about him as if i was a fanboy mm. basically and just being like you know as a consumer of satoshi Kon's work like everybody else's i absolutely adored his stuff and this is why he was amazing yeah you know and just like kind of talk for everybody else and for all the other fans of satoshi Kon. Mm. I, hell yeah uh, so if you, if you like to do that please hit me up i will be your satoshi Kon expert <laughs> Yeah, let us know your opinions on anything we talked about using our specialized hashtag on Twitter. What was it again, Aki? SBS Anime, and it feels so good to say it into this mic. (laughs) SBS Anime. Hashtag SBS Anime over on Twitter. Let us know your opinions on Satoshi Kon. Let us know your opinions on manga artists who died. Let us know your opinions on old manga and anime that, you know, may have its legacy still going on to this day. Anything at all. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this very professional-sounding episode of the anime show, Joey and Aki. I don't know if it's going to be the next uh, same thing next week, but we'll try. Bye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See you guys later.